Hi, and welcome to another episode of Journeys. My name is Haley. I will be your hostess, but not the cupcake, but you can still eat me. Um, I'm here today with Chris. Uh, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? It was so hard not to laugh in that introduction. <laughs> I need you to use that in all of them because I was pure gold. <laughs> Thank you. What would you like to... Int- uh, first, we'll start with your pronouns. What do you like to go? I go by male pronouns. Male pronouns. Yeah. He, him. Got you. Um... Do you want to divulge your last name? Does that matter? Or I don't uh, care to. Like even when I do um, my own work, I don't really give out my last name unless it's going to be like a genuine business connection, and it's on my business card, so I kind of have to at that point. Yeah, but I at gotcha. that point, I'm already trusting the person. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay, so just Chris for this episode. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like about your journey. Tell me, you know, tell me your life. That's pretty much why we're here. Okay, sure. Um, so as of right now, I'm 28, and I've been on testosterone for nearly five years. Um, next month, and give it like a couple days or so, it'd be five years. Mazel tov. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't feel like it's been that long, and then it feels like it's been forever. It's kind of like this really weird, surreal part of my life. Gotcha. Um, but shortly... Shortly before I got my first shot, I got the gender marker changed on my license. Okay. And then I was really lazy when it came to the name change because I, because of being on testosterone for so long, I just passed as male easily, mm-hmm. and people didn't really tend to look at my name when they were carding me. Yeah. Um, it was mainly like the birth year or whatever, so it, it took me a little bit longer to do that, um, but I got that done the following year. I'm uh, just... Trying to finish getting my schooling done, like I, um, I'm almost on a cane right now, so I'm I get my bachelor's in May in psychology, minoring in women and gender studies. I'm out on campus. I'm I know I'm not the only trans person on campus, but I'm the only that I know of out trans person on campus. Okay. Um, you think other people are like stealth? You, I know that one person is, and it's mainly because her living situation is very chaotic. Um, so like her parents are very religious that one of her parents actually works within the church, um, institution. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to say industry cause it's not what it is, but yeah. like in the, like Might the as well be. yeah, it, like in the actual church system is where one of their parents works and whenever they're home as opposed to being on campus, they don't feel like they're safe with, you know, being true to who they are. Okay. But when they're on campus, they're capable of doing that. Um, but because of, you know, legal things and still needing to rely on their parents for a little bit, it's kind of like a double life for them. Yeah. So I know that they're on campus, and I'm definitely not going to reveal who they are, obviously, for their safety. Obviously. And just because I know that their trust is in me, and I'm mm-hmm. not trying to make them feel betrayed in any way. Which is funny, because we I actually just talked about that in the episode uh, with uh, the mother of a trans male also. Sandra. Sandra, yes. Um, she talked about how, you know, one of her son's friends ended up being outed, and it was, you know, dangerous for them, so that's that's great. It's kind of odd, because I was outed in my previous school, but not in, like a, like, a whole thing. It was mainly just a friend of mine, one of her parents worked for public safety on campus and divulged that I was trans male, and then the next response by their parent was that I couldn't use the bathroom that I wanted to use. <sighs> God. Which was kind of a pain because on that campus there was only one gender neutral bathroom and it's nowhere near any of the classrooms. Oh Jesus! Um, so it was always 
kind of a pain to have to leave my class to go to a bathroom that I felt comfortable going to. Yeah. But it was a single stall handicap bathroom, so I also felt really guilty for anyone who needs to use that restroom. Yeah. And here at Kane, there's only one gender neutral bathroom, and again, it's near none of the academic classes. And no students are ever in there unless they work in that building. Goodness. Like, there's, there's no need for a student to ever be in there, and I've been a senior since last spring. I've been here since 2017. I just found that out this semester, that there's a gender-neutral bathroom on campus. And oh, it, wow. it, it took two years to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when did, you, um, when did you realize that you were male? When did you, like, start going through... It's always funny because um, one thing that I didn't get to mention just quite yet, because I like to make this organic, but I'm just going to plug it in here for the sake of it flowing. Um, so I give lectures on transgender education and awareness. I typically do it at the collegiate level for undergrad and graduate level courses. Okay. And I always get that question, like, you know, like, when did you know or, like, whatever, or when did you decide, which I, I hate when they phrase yeah, it that that's way. Yeah, that's... I always use it as an educational aspect, an example, and I say, like, well, I, I discovered when I was three years old. Okay. And uh, people always kind of have the rebuttal of like, well, you were so young, how did you know? And I'm like, well, you know, with the vocabulary that you know, you go with what you can do. And I knew that, you know, with everything that everyone was telling me girls were supposed to like and boys were supposed to like, I liked everything that boys were supposed to like from what I was told. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was as simple as that, but then it kept being persistent in, like, later in life. So, I mean, I couldn't have been wrong for that long. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I've known since I was three, socially transitioned when I was 19. Like, I chopped my hair off. It was super long. Like, it went all the way down to, like my butt oh, like, there's there's no other way of saying it <laughs> um, and uh like it was super curly don't be jealous because it was a pain in the ass to get it that long and it was just pure laziness gotcha really because i i didn't like going to the hair salon because it like always reminded me that i had a very feminine body gotcha so it was very dysphoric um experience for me when i go to the barber shop it's really not like that um i mean i have my hair cut super short i like keeping it this short because it's easy like, just get up, do what I got to do, and not have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot easier than having to, you know, like, brush my hair and put in a ponytail because I don't like it when it touches my face. It just constantly is that immediate reminder. And it, does that cause dysphoria for you? When I had my long hair, definitely. Yeah. I mean, um, it came to the point where I really didn't like anyone touching my hair, which is probably another reason why it got so long. I just didn't want anyone, like, fussing with it. Okay. Um, and... When I chopped it off, like, I had no problem with anyone touching it. I, like, I encouraged people to touch it. I'm like, feel how fucking soft it is. And I'm sorry if you don't, like, allow colorful language. No, I on do. Your I okay, do, yeah. great, yeah, because it felt fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, socially transitioned at 19. I started asking people to use, uh, you know, male pronouns with me. Mm-hmm. Just refer to me as Chris, um, as opposed to my birth name. Yes. And it, some people were a little resilient up front because... It was just kind of like an abrupt change. Yeah. Like it came, for them it came out of nowhere. For me it was just like I finally got the courage. I basically just repurposed the energy that I was using to hate myself and to just kind of like force myself to stay in the closet Mm -hmm. to just being like, you know what, fuck it. Like no one else is getting affected by this but me and I'm really tired of having that hit me so hard that it's literally leaching into other aspects of my life. Yeah. Um, so I was able to let go of it, you know, after you know, 16 years. And then um, 
when I got to the point where I felt comfortable with my living situation and with my financial situation because at the time my insurance didn't cover uh, hormone replacement therapy, so mm-hmm. I would have to pay for that out of pocket, which was 100 bucks every four months just for the testosterone. That's not including, like, the needles, but that's, like, two bucks, which is nothing. Yeah. Um, but, that, like, that $100 every four months for someone who was working part-time uh, for a better portion of their, you know, work life uh, was difficult. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that 100 bucks is a cell phone bill. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, would I rather keep in touch with everything and have access to, you know, whoever I need or testosterone? And it was kind of like trying to figure out that balance. Yeah. It sucks that you even have to choose between, like, a support system and being yourself yeah. to begin with. Yeah. I mean, now, thankfully, it's not an issue. Um, I don't have to worry about any kind of payments when it comes to my testosterone and things like that. So it's something that I don't have to choose. But it is something that some people do have to choose where... Yes. You know, they don't have the capability of having insurance cover their testosterone like mine does, thankfully now. Yeah. Um, where it comes down to, like, am I going to pay bills or am I going to get my hormones? Yes. Difficult. It's a difficult choice. And, like, I've had, I've been faced with that, that choice before as well. Like, crap, I don't know if I have enough money to pay both, like, my electric to keep me warm in the winter or my estrogen. Like It's like, where should I start stripping so that this isn't, like... <laughs> A concern anymore. Yeah. I I honestly did think about that at one point. I was like, hmm. I know trans women are a, a commodity in, in certain circles. Like, maybe. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely fetishized, which is um, a problem in and of itself. Yes. But it's it's something that some people need to do. Like, if that's the only thing that you are capable of doing, like, who's to shame you for... Being able to try and get money so you can get food or whatever it is that you need to do. Agreed. It, do you? I'm, yeah. There's no judgment on my end. Word. I'm same, not doing it. Same here. I mean, I, I know that there's it, it still poses a, a threat to their lives and stuff like that at certain points. But, um, but, you know, whatever you have to do just to make ends meet, which, again, can be unfortunate that you have to kind of stoop to things that you don't want to do just to be yourself. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned, uh, that, you know, your dysphoria and just like, um, how you felt about yourself was seeping into other parts of your life. What is like the biggest part of your life that you really noticed it like creeping in? Um, I want to say after I socially transitioned, it made it actually worse. Um, just because there were people who immediately, you know, used the right pronouns and, you know, referred to me by Chris and nothing else, but then... As soon as I left that circle, I didn't get that. So it's kind of like I had that reassurance in that one part of my life. And then when I got out of it, my anger just amplified. Like, it it just increased tenfold. So when I got misgendered and, like, I got ma'am and, like, I'm 28. In any aspect, don't call me ma'am because I'm not old. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But... It just, it made me so angry, and I would lash out. Like, I didn't care who it was. Like, I would call them out on it, and obviously they'd be confused, and I'm like, who's this, like, kid? Because I looked super prepubescent by then. Okay. Um, so it's just like, there was a lot of confusing things coming at them, so I don't blame them for reacting the way that they did, mm-hmm. because they're just kind of, like, going off of what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but it definitely made it worse after I, I socially transitioned. And from like 19 to 23, that's a pretty big gap yeah. of going from socially transitioning to getting on hormones. Um, so I was, I was pretty consistently angry for like four solid <laughs> years. Um, and, 
I pretty much got to my breaking point where it's just like, you know what, I don't care what the consequences were because at the time I was working um, part-time, going to school full-time, so I was living with my mother to try and afford being able to go to school and still work and help pay some stuff at home so I'm not, like, bumming off of my mom. Yeah. And it just came to the point where it's just like, if I tell my mom the truth of who I am, is she going to be accepting? Because I'm Puerto Rican and Hispanic communities, uh, depending on where you are, it's not the most uh, accepting environment. Mm -hmm. And especially when you come into play with Catholicism, which is like heavy in my island. So you have a lot of different factors that are in play and it's just like, okay, am I going to risk my job, my education, my house, possibly my family, like the life that I know to get on hormones. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I had to make a decision. I was like, I can't keep living this way. Like, I didn't want to keep living that way. Yeah. Which really, it was a real revelation to kind of, like, get to that point where it's just, like, I literally just said I don't want to keep living this way. And I'm like, I have to do something. Like, there's no way that I can hold any longer as to, like, what I need to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I bit the bullet and... Um, got my first tee shot in New York City. My doctor was in uh, Milburn at the time, but he also had an office in New York City, and uh, the day that I was able to go, he only had office hours there. So I was like, okay, I don't like going into the city because dealing with the subway is anxiety-inducing. I don't do it. But I, like, I memorized the the map that I needed to take. I screenshot the whole thing from Google Maps because I was like, there's no way I'm making... Any mistake. Like, I don't want to get lost in New York City. Like, I have a huge fear of that. Yeah, I don't want to end up like Kevin McAllister. No, because, oh my God, Macaulay Culkin was a wreck for a while after that. (laughs) But (laughs) I went out of my comfort zone once with coming to the decision of, you know, starting tea. I figured, like, there's no going back from it now. Like, how much more uncomfortable can I get? Mm -hmm. Went and did it. And then um, the second shot I did on my own. And I have been doing my own shots ever since the first one, actually. And after a month, because I took a pretty strong dose, I did uh, one cc every two weeks. Okay. So it's like the highest you could possibly go. Yeah. Uh, to my knowledge. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but it, it, I, it's what I was told from my doctor. Okay. Um, so like after a month, my voice started to drop. The mm-hmm. peach fuzz started to come in a little bit more. And I'm like, okay. Um, I'm sure my mom will eventually ask me, like, how long are you going to be sick for? Because, like, like, the, yeah. <laughs> the voice being deeper. <laughs> Um, so I just kind of came out with it one day and it was in the kitchen of all damn places. Like I just, why does it always seem like that happens uh, in the kitchen? I don't know. It's because the kitchen is literally like the exit point of the house. Okay. So it's not like it was pre-planned to be around all the knives where a Puerto Rican (laughs) woman could possibly get upset with you. (laughs) But, um, I like, I was literally shaking. Like if I didn't say it now, it was not gonna come out in a good way yeah and um yeah it's been five years i still have you know a decent relationship with my mom okay. it wasn't the best before that this is not like it altered anything yeah what was her first like what was your first sentence that you said i well the first thing i said is i needed to tell her something okay right and then at that point now i'm like leaning against the oven like another safe place in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> And um, she's like, okay, what? Because we, we're not really close. So whenever I have a problem, she's not like the person that I think to go to. I, I usually call like 
my girlfriend at the time or like my best friends um it's never like my mom like it's never been a Brady Bunch kind of thing in my house Mm -hmm. so I took a few moments to just kind of like figure out what the hell I was gonna say because I started it like I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this (laughs) um and trust me I looked at the door it was closed (laughs) and uh I told her I was just like I'm a guy like I I didn't know how else to say it, because I knew if I said trans, she's going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? So I just, I said it as simple as I possibly could. Yeah. With all the strength that I could possibly manage to say it. And she was like, I know. Oh, crap. Hot <laughs> <Plot laughs> twist. <laughs> That's some M. Night Shyamalan stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, it was, it was, like, kind of bittersweet. Yeah. Because I had all that anger for so long from, like, high school when I, I was really struggling with the term of trans being used towards me and then, like, coming to terms with it, like, a couple years later to her just saying, like, I know. And it was just kind of like, you let me struggle for so long without saying anything. Like, you're... It's kind of fucked up. (laughs) But it's like, how how do you approach... Somebody. Your only child that... Like, I'm her only child. Yeah. And she, like, raised me on her own since I was three. Like, how do you even go about saying that? So, like, now, I don't have that anger that I did. It was just like, the fuck you mean you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's not like that um, yeah. anymore. Like, I'm a little bit more reasonable with her. Okay. It, it She's using male pronouns more now than I've ever heard her do before. Okay. Like, I've only heard her maybe use it twice pr- prior to 2019. Okay. And I told her back in 2014. Okay. Um, so, like, she's getting there, right? Like, so, like, her coworkers know that I'm trans. Um, they, like, refer to me as her son. Okay, that's good. Um, so at least in the workplace, I know that she's comfortable with talking about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it comes up in conversation at work. Yeah, I was going to ask you <laughs> about kind of being outed. Um, I mean, I don't care, honestly, because I out myself all the time. Like, once you come out, you know. Like, you're constantly coming out. But yeah. I give the lectures. It's true. So because I look like a college student, considering that I am a college student, and I stand in front of a class full of college students, they're like, why isn't he sitting his ass down and letting the professor talk? <laughs> For them to get shocked and be like, oh, he's the one talking. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm constantly doing it. So okay. I have no problem with anyone knowing that I'm trans. I'm just curious as to why I came up in conversation at her workshop. Yeah. Like, I'm not mad about it. It's just like, how did that even come to play? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so the the numbers on this uh, this one report. Yeah, so my son is trans. Honestly, like, how did that... <laughs> I don't... Like, she works in a bank. Like, oh. she works in, like, finance. It's just, like, there's no number that adds to transgender. <laughs> like, I just, to my knowledge. Yeah. I just, I don't... Um, I'm not quite sure how that came to be. Okay. Um, now, you mentioned... Uh, you mentioned uh, relationships also. You said yeah. you've had uh, girlfriends. Oh, yeah. And stuff like that. How have... Um, did you have one while you were coming out, or? Yeah, and that was fucking horrible. <laughs> Damn. Um, I'm not gonna say your name. Okay. We'll uh, we'll we'll use like uh, I I, I, lo- I love Saved by the Bell. Okay. So we we'll just use like those names. Like Kel- Kelly was a bitch. Okay. Um, bitch Kelly. Yeah, I was with her when I started socially transitioning. Um, so we were together from when I was 19, yeah, to uh, about 21. Okay. Right? So, um, a couple months into the relationship is when I started to get really comfortable with just, like, my gender identity in a whole. Um, and then it was like, okay, well, how do I tell her? Uh, because uh, she identified as bi, so it's not like it would be an issue in that regard. Yeah. But it's just like, uh, 
physically speaking, like I don't like how I am, and it's not because of um, body dysmorphia, but because you know I don't feel that my body that I have now is presenting the gender that I connect with. Mm-hmm. And you know, at first she took it okay, and then she had really old school parents. So like when we were at her parents' house, like I was forced to basically go back in the closet, and she would use female pronouns with me. Um, and still, like, refer to me as Chris, because it's actually, a, like, a nickname, like, derivative from my birth name. Okay. So it wasn't difficult for a lot of people to go from that to Chris. Yeah. Um, but it really always bothered me that I didn't feel comfortable being around her family. Yeah. Um, and they were fine with, like, the whole fact that she's, like, in a perceived lesbian relationship. But, like, God forbid, like, one of them wants to be a dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, that I probably would have, like, blown their minds, but whatever. Like, crap. Is she heterosexual now? Like, damn it. <laughs> we bought all this rainbow shit for nothing. Dishonor <laughs> on our family. <laughs> <laughs> but when our relationship was at its end point, it was more so when I was really looking into, like, hormone replacement therapy and, you know, like, researching more into surgery. And, like, I had my bind, like, my first binder when I was with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, my first packer and things like that. And for anyone who's not trans listening, uh, be careful what you search. Because <laughs> if you, like, put into Google Pack and Play the little things for, like, babies and infants oh, come yeah. up, it, it's not that. <laughs> it's more expensive than that at times. Or cheaper, depending on how um, your financial situation is. Mine were more expensive than those little pack and plays because I'm balling like that. <laughs> but... um It it put a lot of strain on our relationship with how strongly I felt that I needed to start as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And I kept delaying it because with me being the age that I am, I grew up with, like, AOL. Yes. Right? So anyone who's old enough, you remember dial-up symphony and, like, not picking up the phone. And God forbid someone answers the phone when you're already on the website. Uh Uh-huh. All hell is loose. (laughs) But when I was, you know, growing up trying to research trying to figure out what the hell the word is for the thoughts that I'm having, it never came up with anything good. Like, it always came up with some sort of violence towards a trans community. So I thought that if I were to come out as trans, I'm putting myself at risk. Yeah. I'm putting my partners at risk. I'm putting my friends and family at risk. So, like, that was another reason why I was just, like, so sheltered and so, like, closed off about wanting to even come out. But when I started to finally figure out what the vocabulary was for what I am and like finding new terms like you know packer and binder and and all these different types of surgeries that can be done so that you know I felt like how I was supposed to feel is when it really started to take a toll on us and she asked like can't you just stay this way for me oh god yeah so I had to it, it felt like time froze like again in Saved by the Bell where Zach Morris made everything freeze and everyone was trying so hard not to breathe Bless the 80s, though, for baggy clothes. (laughs) But I I had that, like, frozen time moment. It's just like, I can't keep forcing myself to live a life that I don't feel is mine. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel comfortable being with someone who's forcing me to be something that I don't want to be for their own happiness to spite mine. Yes. Um, So we parted ways. I I know that she got married a couple years ago, so good for her. Um, I severed ties completely with her and like i uh went to a school with one of her family members so it was like really difficult to evade okay Uh, but shit i did that i was like a fucking ninja (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and then after, like, my next serious relationship after that, um, I want to say it was about four to five years ago. We were together for about, like, two years. Okay. And um, she was fine with it. Like, I was completely out at that point. Like, no one was going to force me to go back in the closet for their own sake. And fuck that, right? Amen. In any sense of the way. It doesn't have to be gender. Like, sexuality as, as well. Yeah. Um, but, because, like, when you go back that far, you, it's really hard to recover from that. Yeah. So, I saw that as an issue. And um, I knew that I didn't want to be in a relationship like that. So she was really open with me being trans. She had never understood what the term trans was, so I had to do a lot of educating with her because I can't be in a relationship if you, you don't know like the difference between a drag queen and someone who's trans and someone who yeah. is non-binary or a cross-dresser, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I just can't. Yeah. Like, I, I really have no time for BS and ignorance, and I'm just like, yeah. we can end things now if you this is not your thing. Like, yeah. No harm, no foul. Don't care. And I, I was just actually having a real quick conversation the other day about the word ignorance, how, like, it doesn't have to always be a negative connotation. It's just yeah. something you don't know. Yeah. Whether you want to not know it or you just never been exposed to it before. Yeah. Um, those are two different things. Yes, very much so. And it's just that she was never exposed to it. Exactly. Because she came from a community where it was pretty heteronormative. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was just like the terms were kind of used synonymous with gay and queer, and it was just like yeah. a mishmash of craziness that was really hard to decipher. But most of her family was okay with it. She already had a difficult strain with her own relationship with her family. One of her sisters was really not okay with me being trans because they're more of a science kind of person, and they couldn't get their mind off of gender being a con- like a social construct. Okay. And that chromosomes don't, give your gender identity it gives your sex organs yes and i love when people bring that argument up because i always like oh when's the last time you had your chromosomes tested yeah fucking never (laughs) right unless you have some sort of like serious condition Mm -hmm. there is no reason why anyone's chromosomes would be tested yeah and it's not just xx and xy there's like xxy there's xyy like there's a whole bunch of combinations to it that a lot of people don't know about yeah so I love blowing that up in their face. And then when they go and Google it later, they're just, like, embarrassed on their own. Because <laughs> I love, love making people feel stupid by just being smarter than them. Well, yeah. Which is really easy because there's a lot of dumb people around. Especially when it comes to gender. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, it's really difficult to kind of have someone who isn't in that mindset to be open to just, you know, a spectrum of things being out there. Yes. To then having to tell them, like, no, this is how it is. And they're like, no, but it's not. And they're like, you know what? I, I, I just can't. Yeah. Um, so, like, those are... When um, the strain on her relationship with her sister started to get worse and worse because she was still in her relationship with me, I told her, I was like, look, it's going to be us or your family. And yeah. I am never, ever going to put someone in a position where they have to choose me over their family. Like, that, that's just, like, no. That's one person versus your whole lineage. Yeah. Like, bitch. <laughs> There are other people we can keep moving on. Yeah. Bye. Um, and her birthday just passed a couple days ago, and, like, it, it did not phase me. Okay. But a friend of mine has the same birthday as hers, and I was like, why does this sound so familiar? <laughs> <laughs> it's because I had to fucking get shit for this day. Yeah. Which is really selfish, because it's literally a week before Valentine's Day. Oh, God. So it's just like, I have to do something extravagant for her birthday and Valentine's Day. My fucking wallet hated me. I bet. Yeah. I feel so much better now. (laughs) 
because uh, my current girlfriend's birthday is in September. So there you I, go. There's not a goddamn there's thing in September. Nothing. There's like what Labor Day? Yeah, something. And that's even, it. Yeah. That that's it. I'm good with that. Thank goodness for September. Oh my God, bless. But with my current girlfriend, um, basically all of her family knows. Mm-hmm. None of them have an issue with it because they see that um, you know, like she's happy, like yeah. genuinely happy. I don't know how I do that, but whatever. <laughs> but it's been a long time since she's actually been in. I don't think she's ever been in a healthy relationship, to be honest. Oh, um, when we first started uh, dating, we're just talking. Any time that she would go anywhere, she felt the need to send me a text message. She's like, going to the post office. Just got to the post office. Heading home. Just got home. And I'm like, I'm not your fucking babysitter. Like, why are you telling me these things? <laughs> and then she told me, she was like, well, any relationship I've been in, like, every guy I've been with has asked me to do this. And I'm like, I didn't, one, I didn't ask you to do this. Yeah. Two, you're a fucking adult. Yeah. If you need to go do something, do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so long as it's not cheating on me or doing some dumb illegal shit. Yeah. I don't care. Text me about that, maybe, but. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you're in some shit and you need an alibi, obviously don't tell me anything. Yeah. <laughs> but it really kind of upset me to see, like, that's how she was conditioned to respond when she was in a relationship yeah um and it's just like no i mean like you can be in a happy relationship and mind your business like (laughs) you just yeah you can do whatever you need like i do a lot of things on campus i'm not telling you when i'm leaving one building to the next that's just dumb yeah that's a waste of time i have shit to do yeah (laughs) like this week alone um has been so busy uh this past monday because i live in union county Uh uh-huh we have a freeholder's office that's dedicated to LGBTQ affairs. Yes. So I was invited to join the committee to basically construct ideas in order to kind of make our community more LGBT friendly, but as a whole, make it more inclusive for everyone. Fantastic. Um, so our freeholder in our county basically, um, I'm really paraphrasing this, but he wants to normalize acceptance. Fantastic. Which should be the behavior everywhere yeah right especially with 45 in office where it's the complete opposite absolutely but it's nice to see that the at the local level where it affects you a little bit quicker Mm -hmm. that you have people that are supporting you for sure which is a sigh of relief but i was invited to join the committee there so we had a committee meeting last monday uh a couple weeks ago i was invited to speak to uh, the state senate, so I did that on Tuesday. I was going to ask you about that, too. Yes, so... That was in reference to the birth certificate. No, actually, that that, oh. that was the first time that I spoke in front of Senate. The first time? Okay. Yeah, so the first time I spoke in front of Senate was just a few years ago in regards to the birth certificate bill here in New Jersey, which is now known as the Bab Superstein Law, mm-hmm. who just recently passed on Monday um, due to complications from cancer at the age of 76. But uh, the bill prior to that stated that anyone in the state of New Jersey who identifies as transgender or intersex needs to undergo every single surgery to affirm what the gender that they identify with Mm -hmm. prior to getting their gender marker changed on their birth certificate. Oh my god, I sounded so official. (laughs) (laughs) I should run for office now. I'm set. Um, But the issue was that one, not everyone feels that every single surgery is something that they need for themselves. Yes. Two, they don't have the capability of getting the surgery, whether it's insurance, finance, or a support recovery system after, yep. um, which is a huge thing. And then three, like there's some people who just don't feel the need for any of the above. Yeah. Like if you're non-binary, where does that leave you? Yeah. If you're intersex and you identify with one than the other, 
where does that leave you? Yeah. Um, so when I spoke in front of State Senate, we had to, anytime you speak in front of Senate, you have to write a written testimony as well. So that in case there's any members that aren't present, they can read your testimony and get an idea as to what you were talking about and where your stance is on the issue. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a written testimony, and then when I got to the stand, I was maybe the 15th person to go up. Okay. And it was, like, one person that was against the uh, change of the bill. They were for it staying the way it was, and, like, 14 other people that were for changing the bill. Okay. So I'm like, how many times do you need to hear the same thing from so many different people? And at that time, I was, like, what, 22? Yeah, it's, like, 22, 23, something like that. And um, I was part of the Youth Caucus for Garden State Equality, so I was invited by them in order to speak. So you have all these other nonprofit organizations speaking in regards to it, whether they were ACLU or Grange or whoever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm a kid at that point. Like, I was a child, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm just going to talk to them and be honest. Yeah. And I spoke to them. And I was like, look, I work part-time. I go to school full-time. And at that point in time, the Affordable Care Act wasn't instated, so there was no law that said that you know federal insurance policies have to cover trans people and their policies as well. Yeah, I didn't have that back then, so I told him I was like, "Look, I got quoted seven thousand dollars just for top surgery, and on a part-time salary, how the fuck am I going to afford that? You can barely afford to live on a part-time salary. You can't afford to live yeah. anywhere, especially in New Jersey. Yeah, this place is expensive, but I spoke to them just from sheer frustration." of what was going on just to get a little fucking letter changed on a piece of paper. Yeah. Senate approved it. Mm-hmm. They approved the change. And then uh, the governor at the time, Chris Christie, vetoed it because, you know, he's a great person. Awesome. But, again, it just got right into law. Yes. And um, it couldn't have come at a better time. Babs was still alive to see Governor Gosh. Murphy actually sign it into law. So she was there to see history made. I mean, she had worked on that for so many years. Yeah, amazing. Um, so it was great to be able to actually meet her and know her while she was still living and, and kind of like keep her fighting spirit going. Yeah. Uh, but when I spoke in front of Senate last week, it was in regards to the climate and culture and public education. So the um, individuals that I spoke to, Senator Rice, uh, Woman, JC, and uh, a few other members of the Senate, and they're basically part of a joint committee that is exclusive to public education. Okay. Um, so everyone was speaking on different things on regards to, like, children's safety. Um, recently, they just signed into law a silent alarm for, like, panic alarms in schools. Okay. For, like, shooters and things like that, because yeah. now that's a fucking issue in schools. Yeah, I'm so glad that we have, you know, to do something like that as well. Yes. Because uh, one of the students at this uh, hearing actually said that she was stuck in a locker room an alarm went off, and she didn't know what kind of alarm it was. She didn't know if it was code red or if it was a fire alarm. So she's like, do I leave the locker room because of fear of being a fire, or do I stay here in fear of there being a shooter? Gotcha. Like, in either case, it's not a good situation. Yeah. So uh, it, it's nice to see that they actually, like, took into heart all the students that actually spoke. I yeah. spoke in regards to my experience being trans in the public school education system in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And how I felt that there was no one that understood what I was going through in high school and how I was basically going through autopilot. Yes. When I got to uh, college immediately afterwards, it did not work because college is even more distant than high school. Because with high school, at least, you're with the same people for four years. When you go to college, you're not guaranteed to know a goddamn person in that classroom or that building in general. At all. 
so it, it's a lot more disconnected. And uh, I had spoke on the fact that I was invited to speak at a GSA forum mm-hmm. uh, la- late last year. And uh, one of the students had asked the keynote speaker, who happened to be trans male like themselves, how do they cope with being bullied? And the person didn't give a response that seemed to be receptive to the person, the little kid who asked. They were like 14 years old. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, it was close enough that I was able to like walk over there and, and ask him, like, hey, do you mind if I tackle your question? Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart that it took this one forum, like this one meeting, for this kid to ask a question to one person that lives nowhere near the state in hopes that they get an answer that's going to help. Yeah. And they didn't. It's like, God forbid I wasn't there. Yeah. And, like, they seem to have friends around them, but it didn't seem like it was just one school that came to this forum. It was a bunch of different schools, but it wasn't a lot of kids from the schools. Okay. So it's just like, how much support are they getting back there? Yeah. Um, So it was basically all just about creating a more inclusive space for all students to feel safe. Um, it was about anti-bullying. It was about chronic absenteeism. Um, the the alarms being difficult to understand which alarm it is. Yeah. Because when we were growing up, it was just a fire alarm. And it was yeah. the most annoying fucking thing. Oh, it was horrible. But now you have genuine threat in the school. Yeah. So it's just like, what do I do? And if they all sound the same, and if the same alarm goes off for different things, how do you distinguish them? Yeah. Which is really important, actually. Yeah. I didn't even know that they were actually, you know, having talks about, you know, putting in new panic alarms. I'm so, like, distant from any kind of schooling or anything like that at this point. Um, I mean, I follow a lot of um, New Jersey news outlets specifically. I follow a lot of outlets when it comes to the LGBT community as a whole, in the nation, in an international level. And I'm also friends with a lot of elected officials on my Facebook page from doing all these talks and, um, you know, being invited to speak at Senate and, and at these committee uh, meetings. So I get involved a lot with politics mm-hmm. because it really plays into a factor as to creating that world that we all want to live in. Yeah. We can't just keep talking about it. We have to make policies and laws about it so that when they aren't followed that there's repercussions, there's consequences to not doing this. True. Now, I know we got to kind of – this will be more of a, a shorter episode, but if you want to um... – wrap up i guess i kind of want to ask like do you have anything that you want to plug anything like that's in legislature right now that you want to you know raise awareness about or anything oh, just like last yeah. last thoughts uh just recently governor murphy signed into law the lgbtq history has to be taught in schools yes um so that's great it's just a matter of what are they teaching mm-hmm. and how is it going to be implemented yes and who is reviewing to make sure that it's getting implemented the right way Word. so these are three different concerns that i personally have i volunteer as tribute to, okay. to go into the class and speak about like the history of Stonewall and talk about Harvey Milk and Oscar Wilde and Marsha P. Johnson and all these people that um, need to be known. Heck yeah. But another thing was that last year, Governor Murphy actually signed into law um, LGBTQ student protections. So like, not a lot of people know that in the state of New Jersey – it is completely illegal for a public education system to deny a student to go into the bathroom or locker room of their choice. So in the state of New Jersey, you're completely protected, but the thing is that we need to get everyone else on board. Yes, that would definitely help, especially if I, that's a tall order, especially thinking about, you know, southern states and stuff like that and how conservative they tend to be, but 
Yeah, like, I agree completely. I mean, that's fantastic that New Jersey, like, I'm happy that I live in New Jersey where it's as progressive, or at least we have a governor that is as progressive as he is, just the short things he's done in the time that he's been in, been in office. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely been able to, you know, prove himself to be an ally for the LGBTQ community without a doubt. Like, there's no question in my mind that if we ever needed anything, that he wouldn't be willing to at least listen to us. Yes. Uh, which is something that is somewhat alien to other elected officials. Okay. Um, here in New Jersey, we have a pretty good backing when it comes to the political life here, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not too concerned about it here in New Jersey, thankfully. Thank goodness. All right. Um, so I'm going to wind this down. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, being on the show, and I really appreciate all the information that you've given and everything like that. And I honestly, um, I know that you're, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about this. I can edit it out. But, like, uh, on Monday you're having your top surgery. Yes. Which is, how do you feel about that? Like, it's, just it, quick. It's, uh, it's scary and nerve-wracking and exciting and, like, so many things wrapped into one. Um because I had called on Wednesday to my surgeon's office to see if they had heard back from my insurance company yet after about three weeks of putting the paperwork in, and they said they haven't heard anything yet. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, uh, which was two days ago, Thursday, they called, and they were like, yes, you got approved, and someone canceled on us, so how early are you looking to do this? Oh, wow. So I said, "Um, well, as soon as possible, because I've been waiting for over a decade to get this done. They're yeah. like, okay, well, how's Monday sound? I was like, wait, this Monday? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know that the person that was on the phone, um, I mean, like, I can't speak highly enough of how amazing this staff is. Like, uh, I had only one consultation with them, and that was last summer. I walk in, the receptionist recognized me. Oh, wow. The surgeon's assistant recognized me. His, um, his resident doctors recognized me. That's amazing. And, and, like, he does at least two to three surgeries a week, at least when it just comes to top surgery, because he also, you know, he has experience with surgery in regards to trans women. Okay. So when it comes to top surgery, I know definitively he does about two to three a week. Okay. That's not going to say how many other ones he's doing. Yeah. But the fact that, like, his staff remembered me, and they remembered my girlfriend, too. That's fantastic. Because she had came in with me, so it was just like, when his assistant got the call that someone canceled, and she got the call that I got accepted, I was the first person she called. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was like, she went in to give me like a handshake, I was like, no offense, but I really want to hug you right now, if that's cool (laughs) with you, and she's like, no, it's fine, come here. Awesome. So, it it kind of feels like that family environment there, like, I really feel like I'm going to get taken care of. Without a doubt, um, I feel really confident with the surgeon and um, his medical assistant's skills doing mm-hmm. everything. So I know that, you know, I'm taken care of in those regards, that they're going to be able to make sure that my girlfriend is of sane mind. And thankfully, my best friend is actually going to be there, too, okay. to kind of help keep her stay sane. Yeah. Because she couldn't even handle me getting a, a back injection. That was like 20 minutes. The surgery is like three to four hours. Oh, wow. Um, so... Uh, it's kind of nerve-wracking because it's like from Thursday to Monday, that's a very short time to prep everything. Yeah. And because I'm still in school, I had to tell my professor, I have an internship, I work on campus, so I had a lot of people to tell. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of people to tell regardless of that, but like I had a lot of important people to tell, like, hey, I'm not showing up to class. Hey, I'm not physically coming into work, but I can still do work. Yeah. Because all of it's done on a computer, so yeah. I can do it from home. How long, how long will you be... Uh, um, definitively, I'm going to be out for a week. Okay. Um, after that, it's just a matter of how I feel. Okay. Because uh, it's going to be pretty long incisions, like long scars. It's literally like from, you can't, like the people listening, you can't see, but Haley can see. So it's like from <laughs> here 
Oh, it's all like the way here. Yeah, so it, it's going to be socks yeah, out of your rib cage. It, it's going to be a pretty decent scar. Um, it's going to be my battle scar. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm not worried about that. Uh, it's just a matter of I've never had surgery before, right? So I've only had anesthesia like the two two times that I've had back injections. So it's just like three hours. That's going to be like the best sleep of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it'll be awesome afterwards. Oh, so, my God. Uh, congratulations Thank to you, you on that. And uh, all right, well, I think that's all the time that we have for today. Uh, join us next time. Uh, I'm actually going to be having on, um, I'm not sure if he wants to stay anonymous, so I'm not going to divulge his name now, but I'm going to be having on a member of the gay community. Uh, I mentioned him. He's my best friend. And he's going to talk about, you know, his... Uh, his viewpoints, because he had a lot of differing viewpoints of the trans community before and after he met me. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, I'm Haley, and this was Chris. And uh, have a good time. I'll see you next time. Don't forget, you can eat her. <laughs>